RadioInfluence.com. Letting it fly, talking all things politics, is the topic we'll eagerly and openly embrace in this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. Imagine sitting around and going behind the scenes politically with renowned professionals in the know. That's exactly what I did in this episode, winging it with guests I have friendships with on and off the air and former Fox News anchor Donna Fiducia, co-host with Don Nguyen of the radio, television, podcast, internet show Cowboy Logic, investigative journalist Tracy Beans, editor of Uncovered DC and host of the Dark to Light podcast, Ron Edwards, host of the Ron Edwards American Experience talk radio show and former CIA operative, National Security Authority, Claire Lopez, president of Lopez Liberty LLC. This podcast is available on radioinfluence.com or your favorite podcast platform. A great way to show your support is by subscribing to this podcast, give it a rating and leave a review. And be sure to tell your friends about the broadcast. You know, when you see a politician, athlete, entertainer, celebrity, or the like interviewed on television or hear them on the radio, doesn't the thought often run through your head? That's nice. But the good stuff, the juicy stuff, the stuff we really want to know is said in confidence, off air, off the record. Don't we often say to ourselves, ask this question, all the while realizing that question isn't going to be asked on the air. During the 15 months I've been blessed to host this radio show, going live for a year and recently as a podcast, I've had the opportunity to interview a litany of high profile people on the air and the pleasure of conversing with several off of it. The guests on this podcast are people I'm comfortable calling or emailing at any time about any subject of importance, not that the conversation stays that way. So I'm very thankful for what these guests tell us on the air while always looking forward to what they may say off it. So let's get into it. She spent almost 30 years in the biggest media market in the world, New York City. It all began for Donna Fiducia as a helicopter traffic reporter, where she was heard on WNBC radio and later became the first woman to become a helicopter traffic reporter, actually the first helicopter traffic reporter, period, for WNBC TV. Along those lines, dealing with WNBC, she was being heard with the likes of Howard Stern and Dynamis. She later became the news director of one of the biggest rock and roll stations of all time, WNEW-FM. Then it was on to news and reporting for Fox 5 New York City, next co-anchor of Good Day New York. Most of you, though, will remember her as one of the early anchors for the newly formed Fox News Channel, which Donna did from 1999 to 2007, one of, as we call them, the original Fox News babes. Now, along with her husband, Don Nguyen, Donna is the co-host of the radio and now television podcast internet show, 
Cowboy Logic, I am glad to bring to the show as my first guest, Donna Fiducia. Hey, Gary, how are you? How have you been, my dear? I'm fine, Donna. And, you know, we you've been on several times and we'll get into that a little bit. But this is the first time you've been on by yourself. Every other time you were with the uh, politically incorrect cowboy, your husband, Don Nguyen. And this will be almost like, uh, you know, uh, Batman without Robin, uh, Burns without Alan, uh, Abbott without <laughs> Costello, Laura without Hardy. Who's on first? Right. Yeah. You know, Thelma without Louise, even Amos without Andy, you know, it's just, so we'll, we'll make, we'll, we'll make a go of it. And, and as so people how may, I do this? Right. I'm Don Nguyen. Does that make you feel better? You know, but the problem with you saying you're Don Nguyen, you have nowhere near the courage to say some of the things he said. I remember people, the last time they were on, Don breaks out into this buckwheat routine and Donna says, <laughs> I'm getting out of here. <laughs> so, you know, but but I love you both. And, and you had to be on this broadcast because when I was just on a Rocky and the Wolf of Man radio broadcast, having just a segment on somebody else's show and came down to Rock the Red in 2020, where you and Don were hosts, you, 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 you open your hearts to me. You, you introduced me to all the speakers and the two of you came on. I remember where you were. You didn't leave the uh, buffet, but you came on by phone on my live remote. Gene Ho came up to the room. Claire Lopez came up to the room. You guys were, you know, doing what you needed to do, staying with the peoples, but you did come on the show. And it's it's been a pleasure knowing you and uh, the last two years just after that Rock the Red in Greenville, South Carolina is over, just sitting there with you, Don, the likes of K. Carl Smith, Claire Lopez, who will be on the show also, the late Presley Stutz, John DeLimmy, and just solving the world's problems. And we do solve the world's problems. So please tell the people, why is it we can solve the world's problems around the table at three in the morning, yet the politicians cannot solve the world's problems? Well, to me, you have to follow the money trail. And that's really the bottom line. Um, Matt Gates uh, said it pretty well recently. Um, he was on with Steve Bannon's show. By the way, uh, Cowboy Logic now is also on Real America's Voice. And oh, good. Steve Bannon is the rock solid person that is bringing that network to fruition. I mean, it's, it's just a wonderful network. And we are honored to be on it. Our show airs uh, three times during the day on uh, Saturdays. And we're getting a huge following, but I think Matt Gates said it correctly. And that is these people don't care about their constituents. Look at the 13 Republicans that just voted for this absolute debacle of a quote unquote spending planet. Right. You know, it's going to do nothing but bankrupt the nation further. And we spent now, I think $7 trillion since COVID and, and we have 6% inflation. And, and what it is, is, most of these Republicans only care about their own pocketbooks, always follow the money trail. They are not, many of them are not going to run for reelection, senators and congressmen. And they're looking at K Street to go get cushy lobbying jobs. And that's really the bottom line. So they really could care less about their constituents. And those are the people that need to get primaried. We're going to have uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene on our show in the next couple of weeks. 
we know her very well, but we just Good haven't been person. able to get her Good on the person. show, unfortunately. Yes. She is raising money in her pack, and everybody goes, oh, you raise money, blah, blah. Well, you know what? That's what you got to do. You got to, unfortunately, give money if you can, certainly your time, if you can't give money to these congressmen and senators that share your views. But what Marjorie Taylor Greene is doing is she's going to support these candidates that she thinks can flip. And that's so important. Now, this woman, Nicole Maliotakis, is an embarrassment in New York City. She Uh, went to my alma mater, Seton Hall, and uh I am so mad that she voted for this thing. And she's a freshman congresswoman. I know. got to go. I'm sorry. These people got to go if they're not going to toe the line and really follow what their constituents want. Otherwise, it's just a Democrat light and there's no reason to have them there. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the things that we found out once everything happened and the election was stolen from our president. We found out who the fighters were and we found out who the cowards were. And we also found out who some of the traitors were, because there are a lot of people in this Republican Party that now you had to stand up and be counted and they were nowhere to be found. Speaking of Democrat light, you have come to that. I'm here yeah, in Georgia now. It's your state. Look at, look at Kelly Loeffler and Purdue even. He just rolled over and conceded. He didn't have to concede. He could have called for a recount. You know, it's nope. it's an embarrassment. It really is. Georgia is not a, a blue state. It's not. And and these guys stole the election. You got it on tape and they're not doing anything about it. In fact, I'll tell you what else they're doing. These rhinos in the local um, an election in, in the Senate here in Georgia, locally, the state Senate, are trying to gerrymander some of the most conservative um, assemblymen out of their their districts. And, and it's, why would you want to do that? I mean, the only reason why you want to do that is because the people they're trying to gerrymander out are calling for a forensic audit. And Brian Kemp and the Secretary of State, all of them, they could care less. They don't want that to happen because they know if it does happen, they might end up in jail, quite honestly. Yeah, that, right. Well, you may have just answered my question, but I don't, I was going to go a little bit to the right of that. Okay, we understood, we had already been forewarned about what was going to happen in Georgia, you know, because they never really did anything with Dominion to get those machines out of there. And Brian Kemp, we, we saw what happened being a Republican, haha, governor, we saw what happened, we saw the red flags about him. But after that election, went down and we lost both of our senators lost. Why is it, why didn't they call for, as you said, a recount or whatever they could have done to try and shed light to the situation? Kelly Loeffler. And I forgot who uh, the other person was. Purdue. They just Will rolled Purdue, over. Right. Yeah. They just why? rolled over. Now why? Talking about, I why? think because all of a sudden the one six was an insurrection and Donald Trump bad, everything Trump bad. I mean, Kelly Loeffler was at this, you know, rally that Trump did two days before the election. Trump did like five rallies or six rallies in one day, maybe even more. We were at the one in Georgia, which was up by Marjorie Taylor Greene's district, which is just north of us um, in the Cartersville, Georgia area. We're at this rally. Before we even got out of the parking lot, Trump had already flown to Florida and was doing another rally in South Florida at Mm -hmm. one o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was tireless, working hard. And then Loeffler gets up there because she was scared of the insurrection and votes 
not to uh, to go for this forensic audit. The only person that stood up was Marjorie Taylor Greene. They needed a, a Republican senator to do it, and nobody did it. And 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 then you've got Purdue now possibly talking about running for governor. Seriously, you got to be kidding me. Vernon Jones might have some skeletons in his closet, and they're bad mouthing him like crazy. Which, quite honestly, I think is racist. He is seriously uh, on the ball as far as I'm concerned. He will appeal to minorities. He appeals to me, quite honestly, and I'm not a minority. He appeals to a lot of people. He switched parties, and I think he would be a wonderful governor, and quite honestly, he's probably the only one that could beat Stacey Abrams, who is going to use Georgia as a stepping stone because now she's saying she wants to run for president in 2024. Of of what country? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I, now, 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 see, the funny thing, you're laughing, but I thought I thought the same thing of Obama, except I knew how dangerous he was. So we, we got to take these communists and these Marxists seriously because well, what do you think's running things now, Gary. Yeah, well, it's like, right, you know, right, part three, Obama's right, running things now. Right. Yeah. You know, right. Yeah. We, we know. Right. It never it never ended. People have to understand this. Uh, I want to go back since you were talking about how, uh, light. I want to go back to Democrat light. You know, like when you started out on Fox News as an on air anchor going back in the late 90s, early 2000s, we still had the struggle of with the left and we were seeing some Marxist influences. There was a lot, you know, that the, the sides were being pulled apart. But did you ever back then think it could ever get to where it is now, where the communists are on the doorstep of actually a takeover? If you study history, yeah. I I didn't think it would happen this fast, but um, I I don't even think Barack Obama, quite honestly, got reelected in 2012. I think that was was stolen. But the real big problem was 2000. And I was at Fox in 2000 when that happened. And um, it was very funny because I was doing, you know, these updates that they have. And my producer said to me, you're going to go live at 1030 on Saturday morning. And I said, yeah, I know I have an update at 1030. And he goes, no, you're going live at 1030. And I went, what are you talking about? And that was when Al Gore was going to challenge George W. Bush in 2000 with the hanging chat and the whole nine yards. I don't know what I did. I don't know what I said, but I talked for two full hours before they finally got, um, I think, a professor from Georgetown University to, to put in his two cents, but... I mean, I was there and I'm thinking this is the first time that an election has actually been questioned. You know, you always think in this country, that's just not going to happen. Well, we saw after this last election that it can. And thank God, a lot of Republicans are starting to wake up and become precinct committee men and members of their uh, school boards and things of that nature, because otherwise I think. Virginia would have gone to the Democrat again. You're right about that. Uh, Donna, tell people what Cowboy Logic is, how you came up with the name, you and Don, and what kind of things and the people you bring on and the type of issues you're dealing with currently in this climate. 
Oh, I think we have people that are really A-listers. We've had Jovan Pulitzer on a couple of times, Mickey Willis, who did the movie Plandemic, Del Bigtree, who was very big as far as anti-vaxxing, all of which uh, were at the uh, Red Pill Expo in the last couple of years, which we also emcee. Um, they just had it actually last weekend in uh, Louisiana. We didn't MC it this year, but we did last year. And uh, also the Red Pill Expo, which is coming up third week in January in Greenville, South Carolina. I'm sorry, Rock the Red, uh, which is what Presley Stutz did so well, and, and may he rest in peace. But what happened was, Gary, when I first met Don back in around 2006, 2007, and when I finally moved to Georgia, hopefully to retire, Obviously, that didn't work in 2008 <laughs> when Obama got elected. Wait, 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 wait. I got to run. I got to. I got to stop you here. I got to stop you here because people that maybe haven't seen the two of you, you're blonde and everything, and 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 you're a little cutie. And Don was he wearing that cowboy hat when you first met him? Yeah, he was. Well, he had a baseball cap on on occasion. Oh, oh okay. But the, but the first time you saw him was that big. Was he wearing that big Stetson? <laughs> no, but he did quite a bit um, on and off. I would say maybe 50% of the time at first. But he was how, did that, how did that go with you? How did that go with you? From, you're from Maplewood, New Jersey. You know, how, how did that fly? I love it. I, 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 love it. I, I just learned. I never rode Western. I rode English, but I always rode horses. I, I know. And yeah. uh, I just love it. You know, he's just, it's my type of guy. Whereas Wranglers, he's. You know, just, he cracks just me up when he, he puts is. a suit on when he has to put that suit on 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 for the Rock the Red uh, gala dinner. You know, it's like put getting a suit for him and a dress for you is like kind of out of <laughs> fish out of water, right? Although that you, ro well, you rock boxes, that you red leather dress, <laughs> that red leather dress, you rock that dress. I must say. Oh, I have to remember. I'm not sure which one that is, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Two years ago, you rocked it. Don I even came on the show talking about it. Yeah, well, I have some great clothes from Fox because they used to dress us so well, and we got to keep the clothes. That was some of the perks. But I'll be honest with you, I have gained a little bit of weight, so they don't all fit anymore. <laughs> Okay, so you met Don, and then how did this lead into Cowboy Logic? Well, he started a Facebook page called Cowboy Logic because nothing seemed logical, even back then. And it was just, you know, it's not logical. It's not Cowboy Logic, just common sense. And then we started doing a radio show because Don is a professional musician. I don't know if you know this. And, yes, I do. And also, um, he's really good with audio. He He actually left college to tour with the Marshall Tucker band. He did their audio back mm -hmm. in, I don't know. It's a while um, back. Late 70s, a while back. Yeah. Yeah. A while back. Anyhow. So we have a studio and we have all the equipment we needed. So we started doing a radio show and then the internet came in. So we started doing that. We were on a couple local radio stations and stretched down into Tampa as well. And then just recently we started doing television and um, real America's voice has picked us up and we're one of their most popular shows on the weekend. And it's an honor to be on that network. It's just a great station, but it started always as cowboy logic and you know, it was cowboy logic radio at first. And then we said, well, you know, it's obviously now just cowboy logic since we're doing radio as well as TV. And, and Don is, um, I mean, he's just, it's, I, I call us sort of like the Sonny and Cher of, of 
politics, I guess, if, if you can look at it that way. I mean, let me give you an example of what he did last week. We're talking about the Virginia election, and, and he, we don't ever plan any of this. And I said, um, yeah, he goes, and I'm talking about the Virginia election, and he says, Virginia is for lovers. Maryland is for cla- crabs. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, oh, no, guess where? There he goes again. Yep. And he says, what if your lover has crabs? I'm like, oh, my God. Hey, look, people, you have to understand something. Every time I've had them together on my show, I have to beg, Don, please don't say anything that's going to get me thrown off the air. Because <laughs> you know, he's, he's highly, highly capable. And then he'll go, what did I do? What did I do? You know, you know that I love I love him dearly, and I love you dearly, and and you know, and and it's it's amazing. Like like just last year when when Rock the Red Twenty, I, I I'm down there a day early, and and I'm just walking through the lobby. It hadn't even started yet, and I see you two, and you he's grabbing me to go on the the, the your radio, the Mojo Five O with, with with Rocky. You know, it it, it, it it's, Rocky it's, and yeah, Ron Phillips and and he and, and Ron yeah, and he introduces me, say hey, put him on, and the next thing I know, I'm. I'm, I'm, you know, you know, you just shown so much uh, support, and I, I really appreciate it. Uh, please tell people what you and Don would want America to know about what's going on in the country, and what can they do to help stem this tide. Um, quite honestly, at first, don't take the vaccine. Amen. I mean, this is, if you want to take it for yourself, fine. Um, I have elderly relatives who have taken it. They seem to be okay. But if you are younger, if you're of childbearing age, and certainly not with your children, do not let them take this vaccine. It is not a vaccine. It alters your DNA. If the people who develop this are saying it, of course it's being squashed now They're and they're being you know, attacked on social media, but the people actually developed it are saying this to me, Anthony Fauci is the Joseph Mengele of our time. And I'm going to come right out and say it. I've said it before. This is really serious stuff. And your children do not need this. If it's a vaccine, then why do you need a booster six months into it? There you go. You know, what is a vaccine definition? It means you're, you know, people who got polio vaccine, didn't have to go get a booster six months later. And, and Israel's on their fourth booster now. So obviously it doesn't work. And it would really surprise me if they don't put some kind of poison in a number of these other vaccines. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I've taken pretty much every vaccine of my, you know, my age up to this point. But um, this is scary stuff. And they, you know, just tell me one time the government has actually looked out for your best interest. Uh, it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. So what can and people that do? That's really scary. Yeah. Yeah. What can people do? What can people do to do their part? Well, I really think you have to think locally, get involved in your local politics. You know, not everybody's going to run for congressman or senator or whatever. Obviously, you don't have the money to do that. But I would get involved in the school boards. I would get involved with finding out what your children are learning. If you have young kids, quite honestly, the other thing that's child abuse to me is public education. Public anything Mm -hmm. doesn't work. 
Try to homeschool your kids if you can. It's, it's actually not all that hard. And if not, get involved with your school board and change things. Do you know that Virginia, in Loudoun County, Virginia, the school, the school board has, had, has okayed all kinds of insane, really mm-hmm. X-rated stuff for children. Mm-hmm. They had a situation, I don't know if you heard this, Gary, yeah, I've had boy, Joe Mobley. I've had Joe Mobley on my show, who's been involved with okay. this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they let this this boy who's dressed as a girl go into the girls' room and rape somebody. Then they cover it up, and he does it again in another school. Mm. So this is total insanity. Well, what they did was the they they had some advertisements that basically showed what was being taught in in the CRT system and they tried to put it on late night television as an ad, as a political ad telling you how bad CRT is. And you know what happened? The networks, ABC, NBC, and CBS all would not show it because they said it was sexually, um, not, not appropriate because it was basically, uh, X rated for lack of a better way of saying mm. it. And this is what is being taught the kids in, you know, second, third, and fourth grade. How ironic oh. is that, that they wouldn't show the advertisement that tells you what your kids are learning because they said it was too sexually explicit. Well, you know, this is where it's at, and you have put it where it's at about getting involved on the local level. Uh, that's what the uh, is, is very important for people to understand. We've got to start somewhere. Rome Rome wasn't built in a day. It wasn't destroyed in a day either. You know, you've, we've just got to take this back piece by piece. Donna, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you this question. We've talked about this personally, you know, uh, down in South Carolina. You can say whatever you want to say, and then I will ask you to tell people where to find you, but I would be remiss without asking you what has happened to Fox News. Well, you can go, you can go wherever you want with it. Well, unfortunately, you know, he was vilified, but Roger Ailes was amazing. Roger Ailes found Rush Limbaugh. Roger Ailes was a pioneer of his day. And now what's happening is the people who worked under Roger Ailes that really are a bunch of rhinos and, and really not very experienced in running television are there. And Paul Ryan is there. That's all you really need to know. Ouch. Who derailed Donald Trump's first two years? Paul Ryan as speaker of the house. Okay. I mean, uh, look at that. That's all you need to know. That's good enough. That's all you needed to say. Anybody that understands who Paul Ryan is, they'll get it. Donna, tell people how to. Oh, go ahead. He's making, he's making all the decisions up. A lot of the decisions up there, not all. But Mitt, Mitt, Mitt Romney going to join him soon? Yeah, probably. Yeah. And well, that's the other thing. Don't donate to the RNC, the Republican National Committee. Ronna McDaniel, she doesn't do anything to help any of these candidates. If she had even helped in New Jersey one iota, we'd have a a Republican in there. And look at this truck driver for $153 unseat the Senate president in the state of New Jersey. How awesome is Mm -hmm. that? Yeah. People are mad. People are PO'd at this point, Gary. And and, um, those are the people that we hope will will watch our show on, on Real America's Voice. And we're on Getter as well, at Cowboy Logic. 
And if you go to cowboylogic.us, you can find all of our information, all the various platforms we're on and, and all that stuff. But the best thing to do is go to cowboylogic.us and also find us on Getter at Cowboy Logic. If um, you go to the cowboylogic.us site, you can see a lot of the Cowboy Logic moments that Don put together. And some of them are funny and some of them are actually very informative. Um, <laughs> there's a guy, Del, Del Bigtree, that you need to follow too. Um, the highwire.com is his website. There's a, a video of Dell explaining how the vaccines actually kill your immune system. Right. The COVID vaccine right. yeah. ends up killing your immune system. And he does it on a whiteboard using football analogy. Like, you know, you got the defenders on one side and, and the opposite, the, you know, the opponent on the other side and how they can go straight through and basically attack the quarterback because it kills your immunity and all of the defensive ends are, are out of the way. And it's um, pretty interesting. We have that on our website as well. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And before I let you go, I have to go back to something you said, because when I asked you what people can do, you said we have to get involved locally. You did a Trump. You did a Trump. You said locally. And remember the oh, last did. time you were on, we Don started this crap, started this China. He started that. Remember oh, we had a China, China contest. <laughs> and Don is who can out Trump on and, and Don is going China. And how did you do it? China. Yeah, that yeah. <laughs> you win. You win. Uh Donna. Well, I think that's because I'm from the New York area. I think more than anything else, but Precinct committee men is, is the best thing to do because this way, if you're sitting there when the votes are being cast, they can't bring in another, you know, hundred thousand ballots. There you go. God knows where probably sitting on a boat in China, actually, uh, China, China. LA, China. Anchorship. Yeah. there you go. <laughs> China. Hey, uh, you know, uh, Donna Fiducia, thank you for coming on. Tell the uh, politically incorrect cowboy I said hello and we, we missed him. But, you know, it, it was wonderful talking to you. Until the next time, God bless you and the family. You too, my dear. Keep up the good work. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate that coming from you. There you have it, everybody. Cowboylogic.us, baby. Cowboylogic.us and and they they really bring they 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 bring on great guests and they bring the heat and it's entertaining too because you know Don can't do anything straight he just well he does one thing straight he's a man but outside of that you know he he's he's can just, you imagine if he drank Gary he doesn't even drink he's, he's not good good <laughs> <laughs> good you know so so once again Donna Fiducia. You know, it got a little bit off the rails there at the end with Donna Fiducia, and that's even without Don Newen being around. But the, the problem is, as you notice, Don just kind of hovers over us. So we kind of both turned into Don there for a minute. But that's what happens when you're talking to friends. So that's what the show is about, just talking to friends, just like we would normally talk off the air and you guys get to hear it. So I'll try and keep this professional. But I can't guarantee you it'll stay that way. My next guest, she's an investigative journalist, the editor-in-chief at Uncovered DC. She's focused in on bringing integrity and ethics back to journalism. Factual research into details 
few others pursue and lasering in on corruption at the highest levels of government. Tracy's in-depth fact-finding and reporting has made her an authority, and I really mean that, I don't take that lightly, on major topics we all should care about. She's a frequent guest on radio and television and is a sought-after speaker for rallies and conferences. Glad to bring to the show the host of the popular podcast, Dark to Light. Dark to Light, Tracy Beans. Hello, Tracy. Hi, Gary. You know, the first time I met Don, we were at Rock the Red. That's where I met you in person as well, right? Right. And so I'm up on stage and he's introducing me and he tries to make me do an Italian accent. And <laughs> like a New York Italian, you know, because right. I'm from Because he knows you're from, right. Yeah. And it was just, it was hysterical. And I just ended up looking at him like, all right, now you're stereotyping me, dude. Like, this is, where, <laughs> this is where we're ending up here. He was fantastic. So was Donna. It was great to get to know them a little better. So I'm sure that everybody's going to appreciate the uh, interview with Donna that you, you just did. Right. Because Don couldn't make it. So what we ended up doing at the end was talking about Don, you know, when they used to come on with me and the two were together and it never could stay serious for long because Don doesn't have a serious bone in his body. Now, I first met Don the year before the Rock the Red that I met you. So I met Don in 2020. So I'm standing in the lobby and Don comes over with Kevin Jackson, you know, who used to be uh, uh, on Fox News, who also, like myself, is black. And Don has somebody take a picture. Don's standing there with his cowboy hat on and and he's standing between Kevin Jackson and myself, and he takes the picture. And Don, if people you don't know, Don is white, and he takes this picture, and then he posts it on his Facebook page, my brother's from another mother. <laughs> right? And, you know, people were like, is that true? <laughs> you know? so, but Don is a piece of work. But, uh, boy, I love them all and you, too. And, and thank you for coming on because I know that you are very, very busy. And not only are you very, very busy, you are very, very much in demand because uh, I am so glad at Rock the Red down in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, earlier in January that I saw you sitting there getting ready to do an interview, by the way, before everything got started. Because when I looked to talk to you like we did off the, you know, on the telephone for a period of time down there, well, Tracy's doing that interview. Then I'm looking for Tracy. Oh, Tracy's doing that interview. Then I'm looking. Now Tracy's gone. Now, now Tracy's up on the state. Now Tracy's here. Now Tracy's there. And I never got to see you again because you are so popular that everybody wanted Tracy. Now, just before I ask you how you got this way, just so people understand, uh, you introduced General Flynn, and I know you knew General Flynn, and I wanted General Flynn on my show when it was a uh, live radio. And remember, once we got back, I wrote you and I said, well, how should I approach General Flynn? Because I did talk to him. He said he'd come on the show. But uh, how should I write this letter? And you told me what to write. And I'm thinking, OK, a week, two weeks, I'll hear back. And then they go, well, maybe we can, maybe we can't. A day later, a day later, I'm hearing from his son. Yeah, fine. Yeah, the general's glad. Happy to come on and blah, blah, blah. Uh, that's what I call juice. I don't know what you did. I don't even know if you said anything, but that's. That's the type of person you seem to be. And how did somebody that went to Farmingdale High School, which is right down the road from me, 
how did you become this journalism mogul? Well, I appreciate all of that. It's it's very flattering, and I think it's a little too flattering. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I, I, I look, it's not me per se. It's the information that people really want, and they just want it from someone who's going to tell them the truth. And I've done that and I just will, I will continue to do it. And so I just, I become like this bookworm, Gary. All I do is read and research and, and regurgitate all day long and analyze. And, you know, I just got to know some of the people that I was covering, like as a journalist, when, you know, when you were doing sports, you got to know the the players, you got to know mm-hmm. their, their managers, you, you know, and then you get, you, you form friendships sometimes, especially when there was persecuted as some of the characters that I was following throughout the saga of Spygate. You just get to know people, you get to know their families, you know, you get to know what they're up to and you form relationships. And that's just basically what I've done. And, you know, sometimes I, I, I joke around because I say, and, and it'll always be this way, you know, nobody really knows who I know or what I know because they never will, because if they did, then I wouldn't be successful as a journalist anymore because that trust wouldn't be there. So it's been a it's been a road and it's been a fun road um, and it's been a, a stressful one and a sometimes terrifying one as well. But, you know, there's a lot going on in this country right now and people need to hear the factual side of things and they need to understand what they can do to get involved and they need to be informed to make informed decisions. So that's kind of how it all evolved. Well, that's how it evolved, but how did it evolve from Farmingdale High School here on in New York? You don't live in New York anymore. We won't tell people where you live, but how did it evolve from that to what to what you're doing now? I'll tell you why I asked. See, because I started out as a journalist, obviously writing sports here for Newsday in New York. But if somebody had told me down the line that I'd be hosting my own radio show with high profile guests, uh, I would have told them they were you got the wrong guy. That was yeah. never in my plan. So how did did you plan this out to no. have this type of career? <laughs> no, no. As a matter of fact, um, I lived in uh, lived in New York in in on Long Island until about six and a half years ago, and I was always super engaged and active in uh, you know politics. Even when I was a, a small kid, my grandfather was part of the American Legion, and I would go all the time and volunteer for all different types of jobs. And I would sing the national anthem at their events, and I would write for them and all kinds of stuff. I was always a writer. I always did journalism in high school. I wrote for Newsday for a little while, too, by the way. Mm, uh, Yeah, when I was like almost 20 years old. Um, I'm 41 now, so that was a long time ago. Um, (laughs) But I I just got very passionate in 2000, you know, I would guess it would be 2001, right after the terror attacks on 9-11. And I started looking into legislation and what was going on, and I started being, you know, more active in my community and kind of turned into an activist. And then Ron Paul's 2008 campaign came around and I was like, oh my gosh, I need to be on board with this. This is exactly what we've been talking about. And then in 2012, I did it again. And then, you know, in 2016, when Donald Trump came along, it was like, okay, the WikiLeaks emails are out and nobody really knows what's going on with these things. But I've got, you know, two decades worth of experience here on what this all means. Let me start using some of those journalism skills I amassed when I was going to college as a, you know, a pre-law undergrad and whatever and start writing about this stuff. And so I did. And from there, it just kind of took on a life of its own. And I know I never expected to be doing this full time, but there's a a need for it. And I just happened to come along and fill the need. And it's just kind of what I think I was meant to do. I feel very fulfilled doing it. And I feel like I'm walking the right path. So it's, it's really a blessing. 
Yes, absolutely. And uncoveredc.com. You need to go there, people, and see, because this is where you find the truth about everything. So, Tracy, please tell them why and how you came up with Uncovered DC. It's really weird. Yeah, it's crazy. So I was writing on my own and I was working with a team to, you know, get me on, you know, shows and interviews and share my work with the greater audience. And they said, you know, we'd like to place you uh, some op-eds for you with some outlets and have you writing for one of these outlets. And I said, no, 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 no. I don't want to write for another outlet. I said, you know, I've always wanted to create my own outlet so that we can do what we want to do. We don't have to worry about being beholden to any editor who's going to, you know, change things up or, you know, they're being funded by someone. So we can't write about this or whatever. So I'm like, you know, now's as good as time as ever. Let me just start on Cover DC right now. And we did. So I started it um, almost three years ago now, uh, just because of that. Basically, I didn't want to be beholden to anybody. I wanted to be able to cover what I wanted to cover and what the people wanted to read about without fear or favor um, in any way, shape or form. So we started on Cover DC and we started out really um, more on the opinion side. And over the past two years, we've really migrated and found our niche in investigative journalism and news. And that's where we're going to stay, I think, for now. So. Yeah, I hear you. So let's like when we have a private conversation off the air, uh, we you just let it fly. So let's just play like nobody's listening. And what do you want to tell me that's going on now with Uncover DC? What is your passion and what is going on? And what do you want to vent about? <laughs> that's the funniest thing, because guess what, Gary? Everything that I'd say to you, and I think if Jerry's listening, he can attest to this, too. I would say on air anyway. So. I'm happy to talk about these vaccine mandates that are going on. Uh, We're covering probably 25 lawsuits right now, and there are so many more we're missing that are that are in court trying to stop the Biden administration and also private companies from forcing their employees to get vaccinated with this gene therapy, for lack of a better word, that they're trying to push on the American public right now. And we've been seeing little wins everywhere. And the most important Yeah, I mean, it really is, you know, right now there's a stay, so OSHA can't enforce anything. Um, But I always say, Gary, you know how they can't even get get tax returns right anymore, right? They, they, You know, people's tax Mm -hmm. returns were delayed like eight months. Are they going to send foot soldiers out from OSHA now to police companies and make sure they're in in compliance? How are they going to how are they going to enforce this nonsense? Well, you know, I don't think they actually plan to. I think they just try to plan to scare everybody into compliance. Good answer. That's absolutely true. Yes, that's what I believe as well. But anyway, OSHA has put up on their website that they're not obviously they're not able to do anything with this until this court case is over. And this was um, the one by BRT Holdings, which was a grocery store chain of 500 employees um, that said, we don't want to do this, but what we're being forced here, we'll go out of business because we have more than 500 employees and we are going to sue now. And they did. And in that lawsuit is where the stay came from. But there's also a number of other ones. For example, the states of South Carolina, Louisiana, Virginia, and several others are suing the Center for Medicaid Services who are threatening to withhold funding from medical institutions that that don't have their staff fully vaccinated. That could be anything from a tiny little nursing home to a big, huge hospital. And in reading through this lawsuit, I was stunned to learn that like three quarters of the economy of Louisiana is from Medicaid and Medicare. Can you Mm. believe that? Yeah. 
almost all of their population, like it's something like I think 60 percent to 70 percent of their population is on those services. There's a lot of government control. Yeah, a lot of government control. And it brings up a point, you know, at the core of all these problems is federal overreach. And it's something that as conservatives, we've been screaming about for like decades. If if the states maintain their sovereignty and we're not dependent on federal dollars for what is a socialized medicaid a socialized medicine program in the United States. So I don't want to hear anyone telling me, oh, there's no such thing as socialized medicine here. Nonsense. It's everywhere. Just take a look at what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have these problems. These states wouldn't be beholden to the federal government for their operating funds. And the federal government wouldn't have this cudgel to be able to wave over the state's heads to get them to comply with things that they wouldn't otherwise comply with or go out of business. And that's just not the way it's supposed to be in America. So this lawsuit is actually particularly strong. So we'll see how that goes. Um and then there's there's obviously several others. There's one called Church versus Biden, which is about the military exemptions. Um, there's one called um, there's another one where uh, Dr. Aaron Siri, who uh, not Dr. Aaron Siri, Dr. Malik Paul Malik, he's a doctor who is treating ICU patients in Virginia, and he runs the ICU. He is like a lauded physician. Everybody all over the medical establishment for the past decade and a half, two decades had said how amazing Marek is. He's a teacher. He's, he's just, he's been on study. He's done discovery. He's done so much stuff. Well, now he's no good anymore because he wants to treat his patients in the ICU with early treatment protocol, like, um, that we're using like ivermectin and different drugs that are shown to be effective in saving their lives. And the hospital came down, Sentara, and said, no, 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 you're not allowed, not Sentara. I'm mixing all these cases up, Gary. This is a big problem. (laughs) It's Seneca. They came down and said, no, you're not allowed to prescribe these drugs anymore. And Dr. Malik started watching his patients die. Um, And he's like, I can't do this. I can't sit in this ICU, not be able to treat my patients with life-saving medicines that are FDA approved and watch them continue to die here. And so he's suing the hospital system to allow him to prescribe the treatment that he as a doctor feels will be beneficial for his patients. Um, so there's that one that we're watching. So you see litigation is heavy and hot right now. Yeah. And and this is going on all around the country. So let's get you've just given the fruit. Let's get to the root of the problem. Why is this going on? Why is the Biden administration? Why are the Democrats trying to cram this down our throat? Because there's a bigger issue here. Well, I mean, I, at this point, honestly, I think it's several fold and there's no definitive answer on it because the why is what everybody's at. Like, why are they doing this? I think it's it's number one. They they want the control. They want to be able Absolutely. to own your body. Yeah. So so that's number one. Number two. Whoa, 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 wait, 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 Tracy. Yes. Aren't these the same people that when it comes to abortion that says my body, my control? My body, my choice. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, what happened yeah. to that? Now I mean, they want to control your body. Didn't you know that the Democrat and hypocrite are a synonym? Right. Let's throw another one in. That it's a little off the beaten path, but we want the people to understand what's going on here, that there's an agenda. All of a sudden, now they want to deny the Holocaust at the same time trying to cram slavery still down our throat. Hmm. Well, I mean, explain that parallel a little bit more for people. Okay. Notice, people, they're trying to overthrow the Constitution right now. 
right? And trying to get in their inclusiveness and get in their equity, which is not, you see, we have supposed to have an equal opportunity, but not equal outcome. And they're trying to say the founding fathers were slave owners, so the constitution should go, the flag should go, and let's start the government all over with socialism. So they're elevating, they're elevating the slave aspect because it helps their cause. However, if you notice the the Holocaust, they don't. They, now you're starting to see all this anti-Semitism against Jews. So they want to actually deny that the Holocaust actually existed. They both existed, but if you notice, one helps their case, the other doesn't. So. They're always going to go to whatever works for the socialist agenda. So it's the same thing you're seeing right now. My body, my choice when it comes to abortion. But now when it comes to we want government control, you didn't give us socialized medicine and complete national health care so we could run medicine and control what you eat, how much you weigh and all that type of stuff. So now we'll get it by trying to use this never let a good uh, crisis go to waste. Now we're gonna take this crisis that came up and use it to our advantage to exert control. And the other part of it is to always just getting people used to doing whatever the government tells them to do, as long as the government's a Democrat, that is. Well, yeah, that's a super interesting explanation. Um, Yeah, I mean, I was thinking you were gonna go more towards like the Nuremberg trials and stuff like that. Um, back during the Holocaust in Nazi Germany. Well, because- well, let me just say one thing since you brought that up, because we're now we're going down another rabbit hole. But people, this is why communism is trying to infect and infest this country. Tracy brought up a very good point. The reason Nazism died is after Hitler was defeated in World War II, there were trials at Nuremberg. The books were open. People were tried for war crimes. They were either executed, exiled, whatever, and you couldn't be a Nazi anymore. They never did that with the KGB and communism. There has never been a trial of communism. The books were never open. They've never been tried for anything. So that's why it continues to be the leading force of trying to overthrow this nation. See, Nuremberg was important. Because of that, that's the end of Nazis. Done. This never happened with communism. And that's why we're fighting this battle today. Yeah, and it's crazy because they're in violation of that code that was passed and and sworn to at the time every single day in every country across the world when they mandate these vaccinations without informed consent. So it's it's a very sort of interesting history repeating itself, but on a global scale, like everybody attacked uh, Hitler when he did this and the Nazis did this in Germany and said how terrible it was. And never again in history would the human population be experimented on using, you know, medicine, for lack of a better word here, without their informed consent about what they were getting involved in. And what happened? What happened with this vaccine? We're doing it. This what what what's going on with this vaccine right now? I mean, there there it's the biggest human experiment ever in history. Right, ever. right, because it's it hasn't been tested, it hasn't been tried. We don't know what the uh, side effects are. We know there are people dying from the vaccine. You say how how are they dying from the vaccine? Because the vaccine is getting into other areas. It's causing strokes, heart attack, infertility, uh, uh, all kind and, 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 all all kind of impotence. 
all kind of things. And it can, in certain people, speed up your pre-existing conditions the very same way that the actual virus sped up conditions that could lead to death. This is happening with the vaccine. They don't want you to know that because they don't care about your life. They care about the agenda. Always remember, people, it's never about the issues. It's always about the agenda when the agenda is communism. And and the next, you know, the next point to that is um, the, the I always say to people, if if you're arguing with someone about the shot, you know, for, for 18, 19 months, they told us how dangerous the spike protein was, Gary, right? This is the biggest mm-hmm. danger. So what you're basically doing essentially when you, well, what you are doing when you inject yourself with this vaccine is turning into a spike protein production factory. Your own body, its own cells are now instructed to produce spike protein throughout your body. So tell me why that's something that you would voluntarily do when you've spent the last 18 months running away from COVID, wearing a mask, staying home, losing your job, sheltering from your family, not seeing your loved ones, keeping your kids home from school, slapping a mask over there. Why are you going to turn yourself into a machine to produce the very thing that you've been told to run away from for 19 months? Right. And people, please understand, it's not a vaccine. We'll tell you what a vaccine. Here's a vaccine. The shot for polio is a vaccine. If you want to go to Africa, you can't go to Africa without taking a, a shot for malaria. That see, the thing is, you're not gonna, you're not gonna. Oh, we got to give you a second one. Oh, well, oh you, now you got to take this booster shot. You could always take hydroxychloroquine if you're going to uh, visit a country that has malaria rampant. By the way, since you brought this up, and since we're talking, and the people are just listening to our private conversation, let's get into hydroxychloroquine. People, you got to understand something. Here's how they forced this down our throat. They had to get hydroxychloroquine off the market because they had to get anything off the market that a person could take to fight this virus when it first came out. So what they did to try and force through their emergency vaccine, they couldn't force us to take a vaccine if something was on the market that could work. So they had to get rid of hydroxychloroquine and everything else that could be a cure for this so they could force this vaccine down our throat. That is unethical, it's immoral, and sooner or later, I say they're gonna pay a stiff price for this. No, agreed, and I I think it's even, you know, you're listening to some of these people who have been, again, lauded in the medical community as, as, you know, Harvard Harvard graduates, people who've been at premier conferences, speaking, learning, you know, research institutions, all kinds of stuff. They're speaking out now and saying, hold on a second. And they keep on saying like Dr. Corey, Dr. Pierre Corey, by the way, who's an also a uh, hometown Massapequa, by the way, uh, mm. Gary, I don't know if you knew that. Um, no, I but, didn't. Yeah. Dr. Pierre Corey is from Massapequa, which is really cool. Um, he He's saying, oh, it's all because they want to keep the cheap generic, which were off patent drugs off because they only want this pandemic to be treated by high priced novel medicine. And I think it goes a step further than that into the nefarious more than money. These companies have more money than they know what to do with at this point. Let's just be honest. OK, they have billions and billions and billions of dollars that have rolled in. So I can't fall back on that money answer. It doesn't make enough sense to me. And so when we were talking earlier about why, the other thing I was going to say is we're right now, the unvaccinated are a very large portion of the population still, and we're a control group. And so as all of these injuries start rolling out, you're seeing it's starting to get harder and harder to convince people to take one of these things because people are looking around and you could throw a rock and hit a vaccine injured person. Well, it's going to be the same thing with this medicine. They're calling it Pfizer-Mectin. It's a kind of a little bit of a joke because the, the ivermectin that Pfizer is releasing 
is a protease inhibitor as well, but it does a lot of other things. So we're, we're curious about what their, their end goal is there. But I think it's much worse than that. They want everybody to take this vaccine, Gary, because they want to get rid of this massive control group because they can't have people knowing that all of this is happening. Who knows what is going to go on in five years? There's a doctor named, uh, named Dr. Ryan Cole, who talks about what he's seeing in the laboratory in terms of test results and cancer rates skyrocketing right now. Um, Very quickly, usually you'd have to take about five years to see any cancer increase with the drug use. You're seeing it now. Now. People are coming in with melanomas that are thick. Um, They're coming in with, you know, breast cancer. They're coming in with prostate cancer. They're coming in with all kinds of cancers that they wouldn't have typically seen in 30 and 40-year-olds. Wow. Tracy, thank you very much. Before I let you go, I have to ask you one question. because And people, please go check out her website. Subscribe. UncoverDC.com. Before I let you go, because you do such great and your staff investigative work, Please fill us in on where do we stand on election fraud, election integrity, and when is the hammer going to come down on the fact that the election was stolen? Well, I mean, we're sitting around waiting right now. And then that's not to say there's not local action happening. For example, there were three videos released just yesterday by Margot Cleveland at The Federalist that show on tape. Um, people in Pennsylvania destroying evidence after the election, and they're explaining how they're doing it on tape. So there's still more stuff trickling out. There's been a ton of legislation passed across the country to stop this from happening. And you can see that there are going to be very few ways I think they'll be able to cheat the way they did in 2020 and 2022, only because of the sheer uh, shift in perspective in the country, i.e., Democrats voting Republican in swaths that they could never have expected. Um, and we just we just had a mayoral race where Joe Biden supposedly won by 71 percent um, in Columbia, South Carolina, which is typical. <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's, it's, it's a liberal. It's a liberal area. I know. I know. That's what the University of South Carolina is. Yeah. And so we had a Republican take that mayoral seat for the first time in 70 years just yesterday. So. It, it, I think we're, we've got the seeds of change. We're still waiting to see the, see what Arizona does criminally with any of the stuff that they've got. And I do think there'll be things there. And people are chugging along locally. There's stuff going on in Wisconsin. There's stuff going on in Georgia. So I'm keeping apprised of it, but there's nothing substantial for me to report other than those three whistleblower videos. Okay, I hear you. Tracy, tell people how to reach your organization and anything else you'd like to promote. Awesome. Thank you so much. I love being with you, Gary. You're a lot of fun. Same here. I like I like talking to you on and off the air, but it's hard to catch up with you. And I understand why, because you and your organization is going a mile a minute trying to help save this country. God bless you for that. Thank you. Thanks, Gary. It's true. It's not even just like something I'm saying to get a. It's crazy. Um, Well, well, I'm going to I'm going to drop a dime on you. People like I'll be I'll be trying to contact Tracy, I'll get four words from her phone because she's on the go. <laughs> I got to answer you though. Right. So like, always, I'm, like how do I, I'm like, I got to answer Gary and sometimes I'll flag it and then I'll get another email from Gary the next day with the same question. And I'm like, all right, let me just answer him quick now so that I don't, you know, make him think that I'm not <laughs> answering him. So I'll send just a very short, terse answer because it's like, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> just, well, but, I'm in a court, I'm, I'm in a courtroom listening to this. Trial. Oh, this is happening. I'm over here, <laughs> over there. Do you ever sleep? No, I wish I did. I, 
You look great for somebody that doesn't sleep. I go to bed. I get about six hours a night. I, I go to bed by like one in the morning and I, I try to wake up at around seven. So, yeah. Um, you could go to uh, uncoverdc.com or you could go to linktree.com, uncoverdc, where we have links to everything, including the Dark Delight podcast on Radio Influence. Oh, it's great to hear. Tracy, thank you for coming on. Keep doing what you're doing because you, you, you're, you're a beacon and your organization, a beacon of truth and light. And we need this because, boy, the, the, the left is trying to darken this world and take over. And one day we just wake up and be, be in a communist state and don't understand how we got there. So keep doing what you're doing. And uh, God bless you and the family. And thank you for coming on. God bless you, too. We'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. That's Tracy Beans, everybody. And the name is B-E-A-N-Z. Tracy Beans, go to Uncover DC. Please subscribe. Get the daily website post because this is where you're going to find the truth about everything. My next guest, I like to call the smoothest voice in radio. <laughs> He's a keynote speaker, writer, host of the award-winning radio commentary, The Edwards Notebook. And he's the host of the Ron Edwards American Experience talk show that you can hear all over the place. He will tell you where you can find it. And Ron is one of these guys that I've been on his show a few times. He's been on my show a few times. And then we can just call each other on a Saturday or a Friday or I'll get a phone call from him. He could be a tar- uh, He could be anywhere on the road. Or you'll hear noise in the back and just vent. Because the country is is messed up and we've been about a lot of stuff to each other. And one of the things I find interesting about Ron, uh, he's a black conservative who lives next to uh, some uh, white liberals <laughs> in Michigan that had, I think they had a Black Lives Matter sign up beside their Biden Harris sign. So that soap opera has been going on. So we'll find out what's been going on with those people if Ron's been able to convert them to conservatives. So I bring to the show Mr. Ron Edwards. Ron, how you doing? Excellent. Glad to be here. And thanks so much for the invite. You're welcome. So let's start here. Have you gotten through to those nutty neighbors of yours yet? No, absolutely not. This uh, they're hard headed. Uh, they're they're not even liberals. They're leftists, and there's a big big heap of difference. And uh, they're they're dug in. They love the fact that uh, Governor Witchmer, um, in fact, she's the one that uh, kind of got Joe Biden to buy into the idea of shutting down that pipeline that comes into Michigan mm-hmm. from Canada. Yeah, pipeline number five. So uh, yeah, and they agree with everything that Biden has done. Um, and they, they dig in their, their heels. There have been some nasty things that they've done, but that's okay. Uh, life goes on. So they, they, they don't mess with you though. They just stick, they, they, they still have signs in there. See, I'm just using this yeah, as, as a, this is the Midwest. Now we're talking Michigan. We're not talking, you know, New York, California. So, it's, well, see the Michigan, a lot of people don't know this, that Michigan is the, one of the seedbeds, original seedbeds of socialism in the United States of America, going all the way back to the early uh, 20th century. No idea. Uh, and it's, I, I, it's pointed out, in fact, in the movie Atlas Shrug. I think that movie came out of what was that in the 40s or whatever. But, yeah, it, it's it's a dirty leftist place. Um, lots of potential um, could have been still great. 
but they killed it off through socialist uh, activities and, and proclamations and legislation and, and you name it. But yes, their Black Lives Matter sign is still out as are, they're all over the place. It's a beautiful city that I live in. It's extremely beautiful, but um, everyone, most of them, 90% of them are, are, are socialist, are leftist. Well, here's here's the thing that I want to say to America through and and Ron for you to comment on. We got it. These are the people you leave alone. You don't you can talk to them, but they're not changing. It's the people that are the useful idiots we have to find. The radicals, the people who are down for the struggle, that want a revolution, that want a socialist America. We're never going to convert them because they are ideologues. They're they're in for the agenda, the people we have to be able to convert are the people that are Democrats that are looking at what the Biden administration is doing and seeing their freedom and liberty unraveling right in front of their face. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've got uh, some Michigan friends who regularly go to other Midwestern cities for, you know, weekends to check things out, to go shopping or whatever. They'll go to Cleveland or Chicago or or whatever, and they notice a big difference, a comparative difference between Ohio's economy and Michigan's or Indiana's economy and Michigan's, and, and they notice how much more open it is. And they just, and people are getting tired I, you know, and I, and, and you did say useful idiots, but a lot of them, they're not useful idiots. Some of them are. Yes, they are. But there's a lot of them that were just brought up the wrong way. But here's the thing. You also touched on something very important. They're seeing what is happening. They're being pitched, pinched in their wallet. They're being pinched in their ability to just function, to go to work, whatever. And, and they see their lives being stolen from them. And that's what's waking people up. You know, there's nothing more motivating for a man to go to work than when he's very, very hungry. And he, the only avenue he has out to fill his belly is to go to work. And, uh, for example, in Ohio, uh, Governor DeWine said no to the $300 extra money or whatever per month or $600. He said no. Now some leftists are trying to take him to court to reverse that. But I think it's kind of late in the ball game right now. We're seeing the difference in states that uh, in just in that regards alone, most people in Ohio are going back to work or have gone back to work. And here in Michigan, where they still have that, a lot of people don't want to ever go back to work now. And uh, it's 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 a bad it's very sad, um, Gary, because you're seeing parts of your country, this country, the greatest nation in the history of the world, literally committing economic and um, constitutional reversal of the Constitution suicide. They're willing to give up, or should I say Bill of Rights suicide, because they're willing to give up their rights, their liberties, because as in the case with my next door neighbors, they would rather see people like me in utter misery and in their place according to how they view things and angry and bitter than to see blacks like I can go all the way back to Frederick Douglass, who decided to take the bulls by the horns and to succeed in this country and appreciate this country. Or let's say like someone like Mrs. Sears, who was just elected Lieutenant governor of the great Commonwealth of Virginia, leftist whites hate that with a passion. And I'll stand by that until Jesus comes back. 
Uh, yeah, you, you're right about that. And, you know, I, I don't want to pick. Hey, I do want to pick on your neighbors. But, you know, I, can you <laughs> recount the story that when they challenged you as a black man to be a victim and how you handled that? Because, see, a lot of people don't understand how to deal with people like that. You deal with them in truth and facts. I remember on one of the shows you recounted how they said, how can you be for Trump or how can you be for this? And you asked them a series of questions. Remember? Yes, I did. I asked them questions based upon what had been going on in the country and what do they want in their lives. And they, you know, they they asked me uh, once they found out that um, I'm not left of whatever they did not understand or they pretended not to understand because they, you know, it's come out that they, they just, they understand right and wrong. They understand what's good. That's why their family's intact. That's why they're very successful. The husband owns a business. The wife works from home. They both make a, a lot of money. And so they understand these principles, but to turn to me, who, who uh, a next door neighbor who's been here for 20 years and to turn to me and say, well, how can you as a black man like Donald Trump, how can you uh, be so enthused with this country, with the position you, you your people are in? And, you know, they were asking me those kinds of questions. It might be a slight rewording from what I originally told you, but it's still the same message, the same meaning, Gary. And I just would, uh, you know, at first it, I tried to keep it friendly and I, and I retorted with questions and fact-based questions that, you know, you, you, you corner them in with a question. And there was, there was, that, that's when I realized, okay, as you say, they're, they're ideologues. They're, they're, they're in favor of the evil. They would rather see me as a victim, as a victim in their eyes. And somehow I need help. Yet at the same time, they would rather see me in my place in some ghetto, some burned out ghetto, um, with a mother that's no good that told me all my life I was no good. And then I grow up to be no good. I mean, and this is repeated millions and millions of times all over the country. They're not the first white people that have told me or asked me, how could you uh, like this, this country? Cause why, why do you, why do you, why are you, why do you think like that? And one white man asked me, he told me, oh, no, he didn't ask me. He told me to my place. Yeah, he did. He says, what are you doing out of your place? Talking like that. And that was at a gym in, in um, where, what city was that? Nashville. Get back on that reservation, Ron. Yeah. And he wasn't even in the conversation. He would, he walked over. He was a couple of stations over. I was in a gym working out. And, and I got in a conversation with another gentleman. We were just talking about the issues of the day. And we were both lambasting the, the, the liberals, the leftist, I'm sorry, in, 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 I was talking about, we were also combining it with conversations about working out. And I said, you know, I want to get bigger here and there. I want to, you know, build up my biceps, whatever. And this guy walked over to me and he asked me, who in the hell do you think you are? Why do you want to be so big? And. Did that take you back to those high school, those high school years when people tried that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You, you, but see, in high school, it was athletes j jockeying for position. And so it was young bucks. But this case with this guy at the gym, it's it's a totally different ball game. I, he was a Democrat who just didn't like the fact that this this black guys 
obviously looks successful and he's talking about this, that, and the other. And he didn't like the fact that, uh, that I was speaking the way I was about who were supposed to be, I guess, my Democrat masters or something like that. He, the guy was just pissed off and walked over and got into our, jumped into our conversation. And I told him where to go. I told him, you know, if he like. in fact, I did one of the things I told him, I said, if you really like yourself, seriously, I would, take my face. <laughs> I, I would look at myself and convince myself to go and to, to leave this guy, Ron Edwards, alone. I, it really, if you really like yourself, back the hell up. And, and go back from, you know, from whence you, you've come. And, uh, but there, there are lots of times where these kinds of questions come up. I'll never forget, Gary, one time I gave a speech at a Jewish gathering against the Ali Obama uh, Iran deal. And they cheered, they liked it. And all of a sudden, this old lady, she must look like she was about 90, walks up to me. I really appreciate your speech, and I thought it was so wonderful. But isn't Mr. Obama good for your people? I, you know, <laughs> I thought I was going to, I thought maybe I was in a parallel universe. Something had happened. I had a stroke or something, and I just was misconstruing what was being said. Uh, I collected myself, and I, and I let her have it. And I said, wait a minute. I understand. I see how you guys push these liberal policies. Jews always vote Democrat, just like the black folks. But unlike the black folks, when it comes to your families, you all live according to conservative and biblical Old Testament values. You all are smart enough to push this garbage off on people like mine. But you're, but you're, you're, you're but, but yet you're also smart enough not to live according to those principles that you spew out towards people like me and she she didn't know how to handle it it's like oh, oh, oh I, i'm sorry and she was out of there but i i just they think in the terms of do as i say but not as i do be a loser and not a winner like me vote like i tell you to but live like I tell you to also live like a little animal. And I, I just find this, this, this duplicitous way of thinking towards black people is just, it's, I don't know what to call it. I don't know if it's racist. I don't know if it's bigoted. I don't know what, what to call it, but I know it's wrong. And, and I, that's why I told her what I, I didn't cuss at or anything. I just told her in strong terms how evil I think that is that you think you you called me to speak against Ali Obama in regards to to Israel the Jewish people and the Iran deal you think I'm smart enough for that but you think I'm stupid enough to live in a way that you would never live though you vote for that same party that you think I should live under and as an animal and yeah, and, 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 and yeah. I, I don't know if Many people understand that or are willing to, to, to point that out publicly, but it is quite common, Gary. I hear you, Ron. Now, people are saying, oh, this sounds like a, a real solid uh, black conservative. Well, you know, you grew up in Cleveland and you weren't always a conservative, right? Well, I was I didn't know I was. 
Yeah, I give them your background. Uh, let, yeah, them, let them know I, how you got from who you were to who you are now. Yeah, well, I grew up with a wonderful dad uh, who adopted me, and he taught me about the wonders of America. He also taught me about the, the racism and where it came from and who was the, the main proponent of it with the Democrat Party. And But he said, always told me, don't allow that to be an excuse. He gave me stories of many, many successful blacks, whether they were from the 19th century, whether they were even part of the Revolutionary War, whether they were part of the 20th century. He always never left any negative story. And he never left it uncountered with, you know, he always counted with positive stories about this great country. In fact, the majority of the things he talked about when he talked about America were positive stories because this is a, overall a very positive country until I guess now. But, um, and so it just principles, you, you have to work, you believe in God, just the basic stuff that I, I, I didn't know that I was a conservative until I moved to Michigan and, and they, I was talking and, and, you know, we were engaged in conversation about the issues and somebody blurted out, you're one of those darn, they didn't say darn, but they you're one of those conservatives. And I literally said, what is that? Because I didn't know. I was never a Democrat. I didn't vote Democrat. My, I first voted, voted in the Reagan uh, uh, presidency, voted, and voted in that, um, went to the youth rallies and all of that. But I still didn't know, honestly, that I was a conservative. I just thought that I was just a, a normal, decent uh, American citizen brought up by a great dad. And then I learned, okay, this guy called me a conservative. So of course I had to run and go and find out what it was because by the way he said it, I thought it was something negative. And then I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. They this is the same stuff I believe in. This is what I was brought up on. And dad was, uh, I, I just wish you were still around. You would have loved my dad. I mean, he was, he was such a wonderful man in, in so many regards. Uh, they wanted him to run for city council in Cleveland. Uh, he wouldn't do it because <laughs> he just, he's, you know, he always thought that, uh, you know, a lot of politicians were nothing but bags of wind and offices screw people around. And uh, so he never got into that. But uh, he did things in the community and he was well loved. Uh, and I just wish I would, if I were half the man my dad was, I probably would be uh, one of the top three talk show host in America, just the sheer weight of his personality and, and how people loved him. Well, you know, I've alert. Let's put it this way. You may think you want to be that, but I don't know if you want to be that close to the top because you notice when you get close to the top on the conservative side and you're black, you're going to have some major, major problems. Speaking of that, Ron Edwards, American experience. Please tell people what you were talking about on your show, what you're venting about. And and there was something you wanted to bring up uh, uh, about the jab. But tell them what's been happening on your show and what kind of things have you been getting into? Well, knock on wood and, and, and praise God that the show is, is continuing to grow. It's now heard on what's called the Liberty World Radio Network. Um, it's uh, lwrn.net. 
It's a combination of internet and uh, terrestrial radio stations. Uh, we're also heard regularly on K-Star Talk Radio, same kind of a set setup, uh, kstartalkradio.com. And we're on the usual Spreaker, uh, talkstreamlive.com, live as well. And uh, we're on all of the uh, podcast sites, ranging from iHeartRadio to Spotify to you name it. Uh, mm-hmm. um, I can't remember them all, but it, you know you know them all because you're on them. But, um, you know, that's what we're doing. We're, we're growing. And one of the major issues that we're dealing with right now, in fact, and will be for some time, and hopefully will be used to fight against the jab in this country. The, uh, the uh, Israeli courts have ruled that it is unlawful to present these jabs to children, to young adults, to anyone that is healthy. It is, and it goes against Torah. It it goes against uh, the word of God, according to this court in Israel. And let's uh, not forget, Israel has been one of the most uh, locked down um, countries in the world, um, not as far as shutting down businesses, but as far as against people that have not taken the jab. For, For example, a very good friend of ours, has not been able to go if she needed to take care of her banking business in person. She can't do it because wow. she, the she has to do it online or it won't get done. So we're going to be talking about these kinds of issues. Uh, we don't just talk about the black and white issue because, uh, you know, there's more to life than just worrying about uh, what these white people leftists think about us because it's about overcoming. And I encourage all Americans, black, white, whatever, Let's get together. Yet let's unify in mass and do something about this, because in greater numbers, we can peacefully turn this country around. Gary, I'm, I'm convinced of that. All it takes is millions of us. We can't go by the hundreds. We can't go by the thousands, but by the millions. Far too many to be arrested and thrown in FEMA camps or whatever they are, they're planning. But that's what it's about. Reuniting on principles. And stop majoring in the minors. Racism, that, 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 that conversation is really small potatoes. And when you get down to brass tacks, it's, it's, it's the big things are the economy. The big things are what is our government doing to kill this nation by allowing almost 2 million illegals to, to cross our borders. These are the kinds of things we're covering, how we need to shut the darn thing down. Not only with the illegal border crossing, we need to shut down legal immigration in this country for at least five years to, to cool things down and so that those who are here can become uh, ensconced in the American way of life. Because if you never break that up, and it's just a continuous wave of the people coming from the old country, they all remain ensconced and, you know, and more attached to the old country and never become uh, assimilated into our society. So it's, it's things like that we, we, we try to cover also in both the Edwards Notebook and uh, the Ron Edwards American Experience. Yes, and uh, I, I ask people, encourage people to please listen. Ron, as you can see, is on point. He knows what he's talking about. He has a love for God, family, country, constitution, and that's what you need. And that's why we're going to win, because uh, we have truth on our side. They don't. Ron, I really appreciate you coming on. Please tell people how they can reach you. You told them how to find your show, but if you have any other things you want to promote as far as any websites or anything like that, please let them know. Thank you so much, Gary. Please, folks, go to theronedwards.com. That's my website, and that's also another avenue in which you can listen to the show. There's a big microphone there, and you can click on that, and it takes you right to the show as well. I just want to thank you, and um, 
also, I'm going to invite you on your on, on your podcast to come on my show because uh, uh, the times that you were on my show, my audience responded, man, like crazy. They they really like what you have to say, sir. So um, thank you for I that. Command you thank you for that to come on my show. Well, you know, I've been on several times before, so you know, you know the uh, that my saying was the Michael Jackson thing. Whenever you want me, I'll be there. So when you when you when you want me, give me a holler and uh, let's see what we could do. So, but I really appreciate you coming on and bringing mega doses of truth as you do, and I really appreciate the friendship that we've had off the air, also where you know we can vent and talk about all kinds of things. So thank you, Ron. Until the next time, God. God bless you and God bless your family. God bless you, sir. God bless America and may America bless God. Amen. My next guest uh, is is very dear to me, not only because she's been on the show five, six, seven, eight, nine times previously, but Claire Lopez is somebody that I can and have and will call anytime I really want to know what is going on. In this country, like you hear things and I wonder, is this true? Is this not true? I can give Claire a call anytime, day or night, and she's got an answer. If she doesn't have an answer, she knows where to find an answer. Why? Well, let's start here. Claire was a a career CIA operative. She also was a senior fellow at the London Center for Policy Research. Then she was a VP for research and analysis at the Center for Security Policy. Starting to get the idea? During the 2020 election season, she worked with Bishop E.W. Jackson and his Stan organization and acted as an advisor mentor to special forces students in a fall 2020 duty course run by Reservoir International. If Bishop Jackson rings a bell, he was a guest on the previous podcast about God and government. Currently, Claire is the founder president of Lopez Liberty LLC with a mission to alert and educate Americans on a range of national and international security threats as well as from Islamic movement, Muslim Brotherhood, and collaboration among Marxist communists in our nation, which basically covers everything, which means if it's bad, Claire's on top of it. I, I welcome to the show, Claire Lopez. How are you, Claire? I'm very well, Gary. Thank you for having me again. Right, yeah, I'm glad to have you. And you actually got mentioned on my previous podcast because the show was God and government, do, do religion and politics mix. And one of my guests was Pastor Jack Hibbs from Calvary Chapel out in Chino Hills, California. And he's talking and talking about what's wrong with the country. And then he goes, Gary, I don't want to blow up your show. And I said, go ahead. That's why you're here. Blow it up. And then he went into the Muslim Brotherhood's influence in our nation, you know, and I, and I mentioned, I said, anybody that listens to this show, Pastor Hibbs, John Guandolo, former FBI agent, Claire Lopez, former CIA operative, and Brigitte Gabriel of Act for America have been sounding this bullhorn, beating that drum forever. And I'm glad you brought it up. So... Let's go there. You want to kind of, you know, this is just a let's talk. But uh, since that had been on the table and is still a major influence in the country, what would you say about it? 
Well, I mean, you and the pastor are exactly right um, to bring this up as as a critical national security threat. Um, you know, even while our attention may be focused uh, elsewhere uh, with rioting in our streets um, and uh, debacles uh, overseas, um, as well as, uh, you know, close to home things like inflation and, uh, you know, an open border and uh, everything else that's been going on. Um, it, the the Muslim Brotherhood uh, is still there. It's still in the background, perhaps at the moment. Um, I, I should say probably via front groups. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the Brotherhood is inside of the Biden administration, just as it was uh, back in uh, the Obama years. Um, and unfortunately, in the interim, the uh, the four years of the uh, Donald Trump administration. There wasn't a real focus on the Brotherhood uh, or, uh, you know, its insidious role uh, in in attacking our constitutional republic. Do you think that one of the reasons they've been able to move in the shadow is they've done a great job of Islam in general trying to convince uh, this country that Islam is a peaceful religion and that the people who are dangerous, the bin Laden types, are extreme but really not part of Islam. And I'll, I'll, I'll compare that to a lot of people that look at somebody that, like me, is a follower of Jesus, that lives biblically and lives looks to live according to who he is, that I'm extreme where the regular Christians just go to church and just shut up. They're the real Christians. Yeah, you know, um, even though Islam uh, has been around and attacking um, everything else in the world that's not Islam for close to 400, 1400 years now, um, the the uh, the leadership of the Islamic movement, that's what they call themselves, the Islamic movement, uh, have been very successful, just as you say, Gary, in sort of... Um, Dividing the responsibilities, if you will. So uh, the tip of the spear are uh, the kinetic, violent jihadi, jihadis. We're talking about Al-Qaeda, uh, Islamic State, Hamas, Hezbollah, Boko Haram, uh, those groups. Then there is um, a division of responsibility for the international <clears throat> excuse me, organizations um, that operate uh, at a global level and an international level, an international body level. For example, the United Nations. Um, and also uh, organizations like the Organization of Islamic Cooperation, the umbrella group for all of the 57 uh, Islamic governments uh, in the world. <clears throat> and their job, of course, um, is, is at the diplomatic level uh, to, 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 to uh, advocate, to push for uh, recognition and policies and uh, statements of support uh, for Islam. Well, and then you've got um, another category, and that would be the Brotherhood, which I would call not terrorists, of course. They're not. They don't commit terrorism. What they do uh, is subversion. And it's deadly to the West because the West is not good, especially the United States, is not good at understanding subtlety, sophistication, uh, dissimulation, and deceit. Um, we're really good, we Americans, at clobbering anything that moves that attacks us. Kinetic. 
military, uh, you know, planes, tanks, ships, and, and troops. We, we know how to do that. But when it comes to information operations, influence operations, the infiltration and the co-option of uh, our institutions from academia to faith communities to government at every level in this country, and obviously the media, when it comes to that kind of operation that's sophisticated and smart and subtle, we're lost. We're clueless. Um, and it's been just a, a very um, frustrating effort to try to uh, w- wake people up to, to that kind of operation. And that is what the Brotherhood does. The Brotherhood, through its front groups in America and elsewhere and around the world, they operate at the level of subversion. And because they've never gone kinetic, we don't recognize it. We, uh, in air quotes, writ large. Our leadership, our national security leadership doesn't recognize it, doesn't know what to do about it. And, 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 and so they get fooled. They get co-opted. They get lured into the narratives, uh, the false narratives. And they get lured uh, by operatives uh, who sometimes go by moderate Muslims who are anything but, but they're very good as, as Islamic apologists, operatives, takia operatives, um, at co-opting, uh, spreading narratives that are false, uh, and, and and just basically fooling uh, the stupid kufar. Well, this you have been saying for years, and my question is, are we starting to catch on? And if not, how do we combat this as a nation? We combat it at the local level, as our good friend John Guandolo has been saying for years upon years, too. Um, no, we're not catching on. Um, the very fact that the Muslim Brotherhood front groups like CARE, for example, are closely affiliated uh, and collaborating with the Black Lives Matter movement, which is Marxist and Maoist, and you wouldn't think there'd be you know, any kind of um, cooperation there, but there is, and you can see that simply by going online and having a look at websites. It's not hard. Um, so no, people are not catching on. They have... Um, I don't know, pre-existing mindsets uh, that, that block their understanding. And so what John Guandolo does uh, with understanding the threat, his group, uh, is, is instruction, education, uh, and empowerment uh, at the local level by going to local communities. I mean, at the level of, you know, uh, towns and counties, that level, um, and working with specific you know, groups within that within that community uh, who who do have an idea but want to learn more, want to be uh, part of the effort to to defend the republic and our you know constitutional Judeo Christian uh, principles that undergird it, um, and, and that's the way we do it at the local level. I mean, almost hearkening back to how the founding fathers uh, during the time of the revolution did it. What did they do? Uh, they went uh, from uh, you know, tavern to tavern sometimes, or, uh, you know, uh, roadside inns where they met or in homes where they met at the very, very local level. That's how you do this. And I think that's, that's the best, uh, that's the best possibility that we can, we can, uh, uh set ourselves to. 
Well, I'm glad you made a tie in to Black Lives Matter and the Muslim Brotherhood, because another one of our good friends and uh, Trevor Loudon Mm -hmm. has always talked about the connection between communism and Islam. And he said they're actually working together for world domination to bring the United States down and then they'll fight for world domination, but it would be over our carcass. So I, I, uh, I, I understand what you're saying. As you know, I've done this show. I've been blessed to do this for a little over a year now. And this has been one of the drums that I beat. And I hope the listening audience understands why I, I so, so love talking to this woman. And Claire and I have been together twice. She's been a keynote speaker at the Rock the Red in uh, Greenville, South Carolina in 2020 and 2021. And in January of 2021, on a Saturday night, early Sunday morning, after everything's <laughs> over, we get these, we're going to solve the world. So there's a, we're in the, the bars closed and we're out in the lobby on the tables and stuff. It's Claire Lopez, K. Carl Smith, John DeLemme, the late Presley Stutz. It's so shame that, that what happened to him. You know, myself, uh, Donna Fiducia. Claire and, and we're sitting there solving the world. And of course, I'm just sitting there loving, soaking up everything that Claire can tell me that she can't say on the air. And it's it's like three in the morning and Claire's trying to stick toothpicks in her ears, I mean, in her, in her eyes to keep her eyes open. I'm wide awake. I'm like, hey, this is what I'm here for. You're falling asleep. What's going on? <laughs> It was worth it to sit around with all of you. Uh, and, and, and we have the answers. So why, if the, at least most of you people have the answer, if the answers are right there at that table, why is that not translating into America? You know, because the folks, we, who are around that table, we're normal, ordinary, grassroots people. Uh, yes, we, we go to conferences, we speak at conferences. Uh, the next one coming up in January this coming year, 2022, Rock the Red USA. Um, but we're, we're essentially um, tied in. We, we, we have the connection to the local people. Your, your podcast, your radio broadcasts like this one, uh, connect to ordinary, regular people. But are the senior levels of the United States National Security Council uh, listening to us around that table at three in the morning? No, no, they're not. Are they listening to this radio broadcast? I wish they were. Um, they're at a different level. They're secluded. Uh, they've 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 made their careers, their their uh, their rise to to whatever level they're at um, within a kind of a bubble. It might be academic. Um, Usually it is not grassroots business, for instance, like President Donald Trump uh, or our new Virginia governor, uh, elect, I should say, uh, Glenn Youngkin coming out of the business world. That's not where these people come from. They come up often through academia or just plain careers in government like our current, uh, the occupant of, of the White House, 50 years in government. They're not connected to the grassroots American people. And that's why I'm saying that going back to that grassroots is our best uh, um, chance of of saving the republic, because it's not going to happen on Capitol Hill inside the Beltway, you know, at at, at these um, 
uh, swampy levels uh, that, that, that pass for leadership these days uh, or on academic campuses, university college campuses, not there for sure either. It's going to happen at the grassroots level. And that's why I think John Guandolo has had it right for all these years and, and been very successful. Um, I, and I will say that, you know, myself speaking around the country and, and, and going to different places, I've been in Oklahoma three times this year. I've been in North Carolina, South Carolina, Ohio, uh, where else? California. California. Um, I'm seeing uh, an awakening, not the woke kind, okay? but a genuine awakening uh, of the American people at the local level who a year and a half, two years ago, you could have talked to them about Marxism, socialism, critical race theory, uh, or the Muslim Brotherhood. And they might have had a little bit of, you know, uh, understanding, a little bell ringing faintly uh, in, 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 their, in their minds, but, but not to what it is now. Um, they've come such a long way in their understanding, and you can see this at places like these packed school board meetings where parents, yes. regular ordinary parents by the hundreds are getting up to the podium and speaking knowledgeably, articulately about things like Marxism and socialism and communism, and they know what it is. That's the effect of working at the local level. John's right. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. Claire, my final question, you were there um, in January at the White House. Let's set the record straight one more time. Tell them what happened. Oh, you don't mean the White House. I was at the Olympics. I mean, I, I, yeah, I meant at the, uh, you know, the, at the Washington the big, Monument. Yeah, the Washington Monument. This big happening that everybody seems to at think we, try, of, we tried to you know, uh, destroy the. Of, uh, yeah. Thousands yeah. of people, uh, perhaps as many as a million uh, listening to uh, our president at the time, Donald Trump, um, freezing cold. The day was bitterly cold and a wind was blowing. And um, it was worth it, though. It was worth every minute. And uh, then, you know, when his speech ended, uh, we walked up the street uh, towards the Capitol and uh, happily found some steps near the reflecting pond, reflecting pool, to sit down on for the first time in five hours. So uh, we, we kind of sat there on the steps, just watching and kind of at a distance, you know, what, what, what was going on in front of, uh, of, of the Capitol building, flags flying, uh, yes, and eventually people clambering up the facade and, and uh, going inside. Couldn't see much more than that from that distance where we were. Um, but we saw the smoke of tear gas, and uh, we heard um, the, the, the noise of the flashbangs, but didn't really, I mean, know what was really going on um, because we were at such a distance away from, from the Capitol building itself, just glad for a place to sit down. Um, didn't really realize what was going on until later. And what was going on was uh, some disorderly conduct, that is for sure. Some windows and doors were broken. Um, and, uh, you know, other than that, uh, it, it, the videos that we've seen on, on, on TV and on the Internet seem to show a lot of people milling about taking selfies. Uh, some of them actually put their flags in the hands of some of the statues. OK, uh, they did that. Um, but the only person uh, killed that day 
uh, was Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force veteran, tiny little woman, uh, five foot two. Yeah, I don't know, 110 pounds, dripping wet, unarmed, uh, shot dead uh, by a Capitol Hill police officer. Um, nobody else died that day. Um, uh, from uh, any kind of violence associated uh, with with the events at the Capitol. And unfortunately, a lot of the people who did go inside the building, apparently, um, remain uh, in uh, the D.C. jail in horrific conditions, happy to say that uh, some of our congressional representatives, uh, Representative uh, Louis Gohmert, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I think Matt Gates has been there, at least in the past, uh, have uh, finally been able to go inside. Uh, there were also inspections inside of that jail recently, found horrific conditions of mold all over the walls, black mold, um, uh, uh, you know, water coming out of taps, the color of, of rust, uh, you know, dirty water, um, just, just horrific conditions. Uh, you know, the inmates at Guantanamo have it a lot better. Um, at least they get uh, Pizza Hut and Snickers bars when, when they behave themselves. Um, these these uh, political prisoners, because that's what they are, um, suffering for months in solitary confinement for the majority of, of, of the day, each day, every day for 10 months now. Um, no, you know, no charges of insurrection ever brought. Um, maybe some trespassing. Uh, there was some property destroyed, as I said, doors and windows. Um, but finally, I think attention is, is being drawn to their, their plight. They are political prisoners being held in pretrial detention, is what they're saying. Um, but but the, um, the intent of it is, is, is to punish anybody, um, you know, that they, they, they can, uh, who, who are supporters of uh, President Donald Trump. Right. And we knew and we had talked about it before. And I, you were right, the Capitol building. I don't know why I said the White House, but yeah, we had talked about it before about how they were going to Antifa and Black Lives Matter. Everybody's going to infiltrate with people wearing MAGA gear or people pretending to be Trump people. And we knew all this was going to happen. And this thing happened. And yet you, we look at what you're telling people that a lot of people don't know about. Yet they can burn Seattle and Portland up and they, they just walk away. You know? Well, here's the other thing that, that that is now coming to light, thanks to some uh, superb investigative journalism on the part of uh, the uh, investigative reporters at the Revolver outlet and other places, too, um, that it's looking more and more like uh, events at the Capitol on 6 January 2021 um, were infiltrated at a minimum, if not um, instigated. Um, mm-hmm provoked uh, with uh, uh, agent provocateurs in the crowd who were federal uh, agents um, or uh, informants. Oops. Um, More and more, it looks like a setup. It looks like a false flag operation. Um, And little by little, that that fact, those facts are coming out. Um, Again, uh, you know, kudos to to Revolver and uh, Darren Beatty. Uh, who have done uh, tremendous reporting on that. Yeah, and there you go. And we saw this with the Tea Party. So you have a black guy 
who's a, a member who is at a Tea Party rally and a white person comes up and spits in his face and they go, you see, you see, they're all racist. That guy's a plant. I mean, you know, this is, oh, I hope this ends one of these days. Claire, please uh, tell people about your uh, Lopez Liberty LLC. Tell them about it and tell them how they can reach you and anything else you'd like to promote. Yeah, thank you. Well, uh, I, I do not have a website yet. Um, but I do publish and, and, and put out my videos and podcasts and, um, you know, interviews like this one at Citizens Commission on National Security, at the United West, at American Truth Project with Barry Nussbaum. Um, also, I've, I've done uh, quite a number of interviews with Jamie Glazoff at the Glazoff Gang, a project of the David Horowitz Freedom Center, and published last year and this year, quite a few articles on uh, education in America, the critical race theory uh, issue at Front Page Magazine, also David Horowitz Freedom Center um, uh, publication outlet. Um, and then on social media, you can find me uh, at Claire M. Lopez on Twitter. Same thing, my name at Facebook. And on Telegram, I'm Lopez Liberty. I think that's it. Well, you know, you always leave a couple out, but that's good enough. That's good enough. And, you know, you keep threatening to get this website. By the time you get it together, uh, all these bad actors will be tried for treason and in jail. <laughs> we won't need it. But you, you do a great job. And, and I, I love you. I really appreciate you and what you do and all the kindness you showed me. Because I even go back a year, the first year when you met me down at Rock the Red, didn't know me. You opened your arms to me and, 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 and came on the show a lot and was always available Anytime I need to know what's really going on, you know, you're the one I'm giving a call to. So thank you for coming on until the next time, you know, just don't let them grind you down. Thank you, Gary. Same to you. Thank you. Claire Lopez telling it like it is, everybody. This is a woman, a career, long time CIA operative working outside of the country. So she has a perspective of from the outside, what's going on outside to destroy us from outside in. And now in the country has a perspective to what they are doing to try and destroy us from the inside out. Claire Lopez. I want to thank my guests, Donna Fiducia, Tracy Beams, Ron Edwards, and Claire Lopez for what we called back in the day, shooting the breeze covering a myriad of topics on the political spectrum. I hope you enjoyed listening. This podcast is available for download at radioinfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. Next up on the docket is, yes, black conservatives do exist with guests, the Reverend C.L. Bryant, Kevin McGarry, Dr. Linda Lee Tarver, and Brandon Tatum. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Venter, saying God bless you, God bless your family, and God bless America.